I just want to be honest with you guys, I am not most vulnerable around the people that I know and love, let alone an entire campus of people. I don't know all you guys super well. Um, but a wise friend of mine told me something that stuck with me for a long time. She said that we all have something to say. There's somebody out there that needs to hear it. Um, the Lord has just transformed my life completely, and he's reminded me that I've been made for a purpose, and you guys are all made for a purpose too. So over the past few weeks, he's shown me that I have something to say, he called me up here to tell you about it, so I'm excited. Uh, before I get into the nitty gritty, I just want to further introduce myself, so hey, my name's Emma Workall, I'm a junior business major here at MVNU, and if there's one thing that you guys need to know about me, it's that I have been super blessed with an amazing family. So I have a picture that I wanted to show up here. Um, I'm more of a fan of like the oldie throwback pictures than like the ones of us now. So obviously this is us from 2009. Sorry it's kind of blurry, but I just want to take a moment to acknowledge how like nerdy my brother looks on the left. Like can you guys see his face? He's such a nerd. Um, love him though. But also, I just want to throw out there too. Yes, I went through a hot pink choker phase. And no, I'm not proud of it. Proud of it at all. But that's kind of besides the point. I just need to do acknowledge it because I know you guys are looking at it like what? Um, but that's my family. Starting on the left is Luke. He's like the classic middle child, right? You guys know he's like so ornery, and I love him. Like he's he's a little sticker. Um, in the middle are my wonderful parents, and on the right is my oldest brother Joe, who I also realized in this picture he's only wearing one sock. Um, <laughs> Me and my brothers in the church and in faith, and I'm just so grateful for that. It's just, I, nothing beats it. Now, while any photo can seem fun and perfect on the outside, obviously no family is perfect. So I have another photo that was taken moments later after this picture. Um, that's, I also don't know if you can tell, but I'm clearly miserable. I'm crying. And my brothers are probably, like, teasing me about something, because they're totally fine, but I know they were just messing with me. And, See, I hate to admit it, but at the time, and kind of still now, I was very gullible. And my brothers, Luke especially, that little child, loved to capitalize on this. So there's one story that I especially like to tell. I remember my brothers and my cousins were explaining to me the fanciest meal to ever exist. It was like far better than anything my little brain could ever imagine. And this delicacy was called chicken. Now, right, like, what chicken? Like, I'm not talking about, like, chicken leg, chicken thigh, like, that's peasant food, right? Like, we all eat that. You guys know what chicken is. No, no, The best part of the chicken, fanciest part of the chicken, was the chicken butt. Yes. So, of course, my mom is, like, trying to figure out what to cook us for dinner that night, and I guess she just wants to, act, like, you know, let us get involved, and she's asking us what we want for dinner, and I'm feeling really fancy now. I'm like, okay, I have power. I know what I want. Like, I'm not messing around tonight, Mom. Like, cook us up some chicken butt. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so there's a lot of stories like this. Like, there's a reason that they um, 
needed to convince me that chicken butt was a delicacy, but they did. And I could look back on these funny stories and laugh now and see like how gullible I was. But and I really just knew my brothers didn't mean like any true harm in messing with me, right? Like they're just being those classic older siblings. You had to mess with your sister. But at the time, all that I felt was complete and utter humiliation. I absolutely hated the feeling of embarrassment. And so I convinced myself at a young age that I was going to do whatever it takes to prevent myself from being seen as weak or stupid ever again. As the years went on, I held tight to that promise, and it really shaped who I was. I became obsessed with my reputation, becoming a confident, outgoing, and hardworking young lady. I really liked who I was, honestly, but I couldn't understand why most of the people that I was surrounded by didn't think or act like me. I had friends and peers who were much wider than I was, who lacked confidence, and severely avoided any form of confrontation. And like, that was not me at all. No matter the problem, I was ready to face it head on with my foot just like ramming on the gas pedal. These differences always left me feeling a sense of being misunderstood by others. And I didn't really like the feeling, but I kind of always saw it as their problem for not being like me. So fast forward to my high school years, I continued to grow into my strong personality. I was a natural born leader and extremely outspoken. I was that one kid that you never wanted to get into a debate with because I was far more concerned about being right than being sensitive. So whatever it took, you disagreed with me, I was just ready to crush it. <laughs> I loved how powerful my personality but I didn't like how intimidating it made me come across the others. I wanted to be strong and approachable, but the two just kind of always seemed mutually exclusive from each other, so I just chose the strength. Part of me had always just wished that people knew me and understood me beyond my tough exterior. I know I made it hard to go past the surface, but I desperately hoped for others to push and fight to know my heart more. This disconnect left me feeling lonely and lost, but I figured it was easier to shove my feelings down deep than to open up and get locked up like I did when I was younger. So I just sucked it up and I kept chasing power. By the time my senior year rolled around, there was this popular personality assessment that my friends and I were getting into. So I don't know if you guys have like heard of the Enneagram before. Um, probably, if you're on this campus, you definitely have. And I like, already feel the Enneagram fans like quite in their seats because you know where I'm going <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, the Enneagram is a personality assessment that describes patterns in how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. And there's nine different personality types that stem from the system. So, as I read and studied up on it, I quickly learned that I was an eight on the Enneagram. So if you guessed that, you're so right. I'm so proud of you. Good job. <laughs> Eights are called the challengers, as they are the powerful, dominating type. They are self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. Their key motivations are their desire to be self-reliant, to prove their strengths, and to resist any form of weakness. They struggle to be vulnerable and fear being harmed or controlled by others. So like, oh, me to a T. <laughs> I was stoked about finding something that could accurately define me. I could finally put into words the way that I was and truly justify my personality. And not only was I excited to be better understood, but I was beginning to learn and accept that not everyone is exactly like me, and that's okay. But honestly, I really liked the way that I was, and I didn't want to be anything else, so I was fine. <laughs> For months, I obsessed over the Enneagram, learning as much as I could about my other, and about myself and other strengths and motives. 
I loved where I was in life, and I was starting to truly embrace who I was, even if the world couldn't necessarily handle me all the time. I was even learning about my weaknesses as an eight, and I tried hard to better share my feelings and emotions with trusted friends. So I had some really close friends and mentors who I got to kind of walk alongside this journey with. Um, we were all learning about the Enneagram together, and I was like practicing to like be vulnerable and share my feelings. And I was experiencing relationships deeper than I ever had before. And it was so cool. I was like, wow, like I can like say how I feel sometimes. It was it was really awesome. And then came a breaking point. I placed myself in a position where I heard the painfully truthful assessment of my character from people that I loved deeply. So the same sort of people that I considered to be a safe space as I practiced my vulnerability, I've been complaining about my domineering personality and betraying my trust as I opened up to them. So the same friends and mentors that I trusted so deeply that I had never experienced um, like a relationship so deep before were the same ones um, and like it was just my worst nightmare how could the people that I loved and trusted most still not accept me even though they understood who I was all these months of growing and working had felt just totally wasted an instant felt like that little gullible girl again embarrassed and humiliated I was left feeling alone broken and completely hating who I was on top of all of this, I was getting ready for my freshman year of college. So, like, how am I supposed to make better friends with new people when the people that I loved didn't even like me? I went through this season alone for a long time, out of fear of being vulnerable again and sharing my hurt with others. I grew silent, and I tore myself up from the inside out. I hated who I was and how God had created me, and I felt like a total failure. It took some time and lots of nudging to finally open up to my mom about the hurt that I was carrying. And to my surprise, she didn't judge me conveniently because she didn't laugh at me. She simply listened and she empathized with me. And she gave me the greatest guidance that I could have possibly asked for. As I was struggling through my college transition, she suggested that I seek truth from the Bible. Now, when it came to my faith, I knew all the Bible stories, and I was forced to be reckoned with in Bible trivia. And my team knows. I still am. I am very proud of that. <laughs> you could catch me at every church service or event, following all the rules and being the best Christian on paper. But, you see, my problem was that I knew the word of the Lord, but I never truly knew the Lord of the word. I had always considered myself a Christian and believed in Jesus from the Bible, but my beliefs were built off of whatever my parents or my church was teaching me. I never took the time to personally grow in my one-on-one relationship with Christ. So when my mom proposed opening up my Bible and reading it for myself, like, I didn't even know where to start. Ask me to recite the books of the Bible, no problem. But tell me to, like, open it up and read it? I didn't know where to begin. It just felt so big and intimidating. And honestly, it still kind of is. But I was just desperate for hope, and so I figured I'd give it a try. Following my mother's advice, I began seeking wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Every night before bed, I made a habit of just reading one chapter. As the days went on, I began looking forward to my nightly time in the Word. And once I finished Proverbs, I knew that I wanted more. So I headed straight into the Gospels, and I experienced Jesus in a way that I never had before. I connected to the words, to the Word in ways that I couldn't when Scripture was taught or preached at me. And I even learned so much more from my own personal time in the Word. But more than anything, I felt so deeply in love with the Lord and the love that He has for me. 
This love started shifting the mindset that I had for myself. So rather than seeing my personality as a mistake, I began living in the belief that God loves me for who I am. And he created me this way intentionally. When it comes to my value, who better to believe than the one who himself created me? Psalm 139 paints this beautiful picture of how he sees me and he sees all of us, so I just want to read it for you guys. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. I convinced myself that I was a mistake, that God messed up when he made me. But this passage tells me that I was intentionally made for a purpose by the Lord. We all were. I was not made at random. He knit me in my mother's womb. You know how long knitting takes? And it's like so like intricate. Like I don't knit, so I actually don't like, but I just know that people do knit. Like, Maybe there's a physical aspect that you wish you could change about yourself. 
Or you wish that you were smarter, sportier, more artistic? You name it, we all have something that comes to mind. Whatever you struggle to embrace about yourself, you must believe that you have been made for a purpose. The Lord made no mistake in the way he created you, and he has plans to use you in his story if you allow him to. There's honestly some people out there that genuinely love themselves too. Maybe you're holding tight to society's push towards the self-love, or you just always like your character traits or the way that you look. And there's nothing wrong with loving the way that you've been created, right? Like, I'm talking through right now. But let me ask you this. Where's the glory going? When you get an A on that really tough exam, or you score the game-winning point for your team, or maybe you finally get that perfect picture that you're ready to post on Instagram because you're so hot, you're ready to get all those likes. Like, do you do it to bring glory to yourself? We were not created to bring glory to ourselves. It may feel good now, but does it ever fully satisfy you? Is it ever enough? You see, you will never find true peace or contentment in yourself because we were not created to. Our purpose is so much greater than ourselves. It's not about us. It is all about him. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us to do whatever we, whatever we do, whether we eat or drink. It doesn't say to do it all for the glory of man, do it all for the glory of Emma, do it all for the glory of your friends or your family, whoever it may be. No. It's all for the glory of God. No one else. So, how do we bring glory to God? And how do we know him more? I can stand up here and confidently tell you that I do not have all the answers, and I never will, and I'll never claim to. But I can tell you one thing. Our faith is so much more than simply going to this Christian university, going to church every Sunday. It's more than saying that you believe or claiming yourself to be a Christian. And it's even more than following all the rules of Christianity, because I have those things down, but that is not what transformed my life. What changed me was the personal relationship that I experienced in Christ. And this came from opening up my Bible and reading it for myself. Jesus became more than just a story or a person to follow. He became my Savior and the Lord of my life. The more that I got to know him personally, the more that I fell in love with him. This is what God wants. And, um, Ben, you guys can go ahead and come on up to me. Sorry. Um, this is what he wants. This is why he sent his son to bridge the gap between our sinfulness and his perfection. He loves us, and he wants this personal relationship with us. And like any relationship, it takes two people to make it work. It doesn't always come naturally. It's not my first thought when I wake up in the morning or my last thought at night. And I really wish it was, and I'm working towards that. But like any relationship, it also takes work and time to develop. We will never fully know God in his entire glory in our lives on earth. But that does not mean we shouldn't devote ourselves to a lifetime of learning and growing in him. And a huge part of that is done through spending intentional time in his work. So if you take anything away from this, please, just know how much the Lord loves you just the way you are. And how badly he wants to have a relationship with you. Take time to know him more personally. Wipe the dust off of your Bible. Or go buy a Bible. Or go download the Bible app. Or open it up. Whatever. And just start reading. And for those of you who don't really know where to start. Like I didn't know. Check out the Gospels. And just see Jesus' life on earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the books that um, just give an account of Jesus' life. You were made for a purpose. God is calling each and every one of you to something more than yourself. Are you willing to answer the call and to pursue him more?